Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Morning, Beatles fans. I'm Jennifer Vanderslice, and welcome back to episode 13 of I Saw the Beatles. This week's guest is a man who everybody has, who's ever met him has referred to him as charming and a gentleman. His name is Ivor Davis, and he had the pleasure of going on tour with the Beatles for their first U.S. tour um, for, I think, 30 30 some odd days in, in August, 1964. Good morning, Ivor. How are you? I'm, I'm terrific and nice to talk to you. And thank you for that uh, charming and uh, uh, gentlewomanly introduction to me. <laughs> well, when we first met, I think it was in 2014 at Beatles Fest in Chicago, everybody who had met you, they go, isn't he charming? Isn't he charming? So that became well, that. Thank you. That's 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 the best way best way for uh, all of us to describe you. So let's let's get some background here. So in 1964, you were working for the London Daily Express, but you were living in London to cover news. Um, what kind of news um, were you covering? Well, uh, uh, just to correct you very slightly, Jennifer, what happened okay. was the London Daily Express had appointed me. West Coast correspondent, which meant that I lived in Southern California. I lived in Los Angeles, and they wanted me to cover Hollywood and all that sort of stuff. And it so happened that soon after I took the job and was living in Southern California, that I got a call from my editor in London who said, get on the plane. The boys are arriving in San Francisco, and you will be traveling with them from start to finish. And you will also be writing George Harrison's column for him. Well, um, I vaguely thought I knew who the boys were. And, of course, the boys were the Beatles. And so right. I jumped on the plane. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. And, but, but at the time, when you, you were in L.A., what kind, of, you know, what kind of stories were you writing? What were you writing about? I mean, obviously, it wasn't the Beatles. No, I was writing about... Uh, I was doing celebrity interviews, uh, Marlon Brando, Cary Grant, people like that. And then I was doing uh, divorces and other news stories that were happening on the West Coast. I mean, there was so an you earthquake. Were, right. So you were, so you were, you were quite familiar with celebrity at the time. You weren't just uh, being thrown into, you were, you were, you were okay with dealing with celebrities when uh, you got that is told correct. you're going to go. Yeah, so when you're going up, so you so you get this call first thing in the morning, August, uh, I believe you wrote it was August 19th. Your boss says, get up to San Francisco. You throw stuff in a bag. Are you married at the time? No, no, I'm a, I'm a bachelor. 
Okay. So, so take it from there. So you, you throw your stuff in a bag and head off to San Francisco. So, and I, and I say to myself, Jennifer, um, let's see the Beatles. I think I saw them earlier this year. Yeah, I did. They were on a show called the Ed Sullivan show in February, 1964. And what I remember about that show was that it, all the girls were screaming from start to finish. I could hardly hear the Beatles sing. Uh, but they were a huge success. I mean, 74 million people tuned into that Ed Sullivan show. And later I learned that Brian Epstein, the Beatles manager, said, this is the green light for us to hit America and conquer America. And, uh, and indeed they did several months later. And I was lucky to be on the journey with them. So, so you hit San Francisco running, you have to, you know, almost beat your way through to get into the hotel and, and, uh, you know, get a room trying to convince everybody, you know, no, I'm with the Beatles, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, you get up to your room and, and so you get to meet them for the first time. And why don't you tell us about that? Well, it was not a, a very auspicious meeting because, Derek Taylor, who was the Beatles press guy, told me to come over and he introduced me to the boys. Well, I went over and I walked into their suite and the boys were there. They were watching color television because they never had color television in England. They were watching pictures of themselves arriving at San Francisco airport. And when I was introduced to each of them, each of them universally gave me a grunt, um, almost kind of told me to go about my business because they were interested in watching themselves on the telly. So it wasn't a great <laughs> kickoff. It was not a great kickoff. And, uh, but once they knew me and once they realized I was sort of embedded with them, uh, they became much more friendly and we used to hang out in their rooms and I used to raid their bars, uh, much to the chagrin of Brian Epstein, who complained about the high charges of the mini bars. I mean, it was ridiculous, but there it was. So we became much friendlier as the journey wore on. Did, um, did the fact that you were, you were from England help any? I think it did, because in a way, I came from the east end of London, and they came from sort of the east end of Liverpool. We were sort of working class lads, and I appreciated their very sharp sense of humor. So I think after, I would say, maybe two days, we, were, we became uh, mates, if you like, and got along very well. And I enjoyed them every step of the way. Mm-hmm. So did you, did you have front row seats during these concerts? Or were you standing off to the side of the stage? Or um, where, where were you when, these, when, they kept, when they would go on stage? Every single concert, I was in the front row. I was in the front row because I knew and I was told by Brian Epstein and the road managers that as soon as they played Long Tall Sally, which was the last song in their in their gig, as soon as that started, they said, Brian said, get to the second limousine where, of course, I was traveling in. The people were in the first limousine. So I was Mm -hmm. in the front row. I got the noise. uh, I could hardly in the front row hear the Beatles playing because... As you know, uh, the girls began to scream from the moment the Beatles hit the stage, and they never stopped screaming until the Beatles left the stage. And I always like to ask this question, and I'll ask you, Jennifer. 
How long do you think in 1964 the Beatles performed on their concert tour of North America? Take a guess. You know, it wasn't as long as the girls would have liked it to have been. That's the That's a good answer, a clever answer. <laughs> what, come on, come on, take just just guess. Wasn't I'll it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it like a thirty-minute show? Yes, you're right. It was. It was less than thirty minutes. It was twenty-six minutes, twenty-seven and a half minutes. And I want to tell you, the Beatles kind of delighted. They always used to kid. Well, we 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 made it in twenty-six minutes and eighteen seconds. So. Uh, it was you could never get away with less than half an hour today, could you, on stage? But that's oh, what Beatles no. no, got no. away with. No. Yeah, and that's what happened. A, sh- a short, sharp, and uh, and away they go. Right. So, so were you were you out front for the opening bands too? Yes, I was, and I must tell you that I felt very sorry for the opening bands because there was uh, Jackie to Shannon, who's uh, still around, still still doing very well. There was a group called the Righteous Brothers, and they, I want to tell you that they finally left halfway through the tour because they said nobody is listening to them. Nobody wanted to hear Jackie DeShannon or the Righteous Brothers. All they wanted to hear was the Beatles. And so I can understand that the the supporting acts felt a little bit jilted. So... So you make your run for the so the you know long tall Sally comes on. You make your run for the uh, limousine, and who were you riding with in the limousine? Were any of the Beatles in your car? No, the Beatles had their own car. They were in limousine number one. I was in limousine number two. Um, occasionally, a radio guy jumped in with me, but the cars were warming up. Um, however, I can tell you this: uh, throughout the whole tour. Uh, because some of the young fans got to the limousines very quickly and started rocking the limousines, and if you've been in a limousine that's been rocked by teenage girls, they have the strength of giants, and they can turn it upside down. Believe me, I, it happened to me. So what would happen <laughs> was that the, the, the Beatles might make a getaway, uh, but they decided a few times to escape uh, under the subterfuge of a, an armored car, once a, a meat truck, a, an ambulance with the with the sirens screaming, and off they went. Of course, in New York City, they got away by helicopter. So, get, escaping from the stadium was a tricky maneuver. Right now, did they did they think this was at the time? Did the did the boys think this was this was funny to get into these armed cars? Because uh, to understand later on, they had had just about enough of this, you know, having to be yes. locked up in some strange strange truck or something like that. But at the time, were they amused by it in the beginning? Oh, they, yes, yes, they were amused in the beginning. And remember, in the beginning, um, afterwards, it got a bit ho hum. Uh, it got a bit inconvenient. They used helicopters. Uh, but but they were they they love to get into the armored car, for example, and particularly an ambulance because as soon as the ambulance, uh, the boys were inside and sitting on the stretchers, the ambulance went screaming out of the stadium and nobody stopped the ambulance. But the the other thing what would happen was that when we arrived in a city at an outside airport, wherever it was, Chicago or Indianapolis, it's like royalty. 
the limos were there to pick us up at the chartered chartered jet. We only traveled on the Beatles chartered jet. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as we arrived at, a, at an airport, um, there would be police escorts, motorcycle escorts. I felt like the Queen of England as I whizzed <laughs> through through streets of America with the Beatles ahead, me in the second limo, and a, a killer of, uh, of motorcycle uh, riders to make sure the Beatles got to their hotel safely and without any incident. Mm-hmm. So they talk about usually, you know, after concerts and stuff like that, how bands, the adrenaline is up and everything. So what did the Beatles do when they finally got back to their hotel following a show? Were they all wired up? Uh, the, and? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There, there's no doubt they were wired up. I mean, a typical day would be we arrived at the airport. And after we arrived at the airport, we would be picked, we would be picked up. Uh, in, in the limos and driven probably to the hotel or to, to a convention center or to a place where the Beatles had a press conference. And so I would sit through dozens of press conferences. And I'll tell you this, it, 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 they were very funny at press conferences, the Beatles, and you can see some of their press conferences on YouTube. But I always remember we arrived in Toronto and literally – Ten seconds, ten seconds after we arrived, we were at a press conference, and one of the Toronto newsmen said to the Beatles, hey, you guys, what do you think of the Canadian women? Well, you know, you've been there ten seconds, Dean seconds. But the Beatles would answer in a very amusing fashion, and I must say, if you've ever seen the press conferences, and I'm sure you know, you know the Beatles inside out, Jennifer, um, the Beatles were very funny, very funny at these press conferences. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I've seen some of those. And please, everybody, excuse the dog you hear barking in the background. She's decided there's someone out the window. But just to make that into a Beatles topic, the dog's name is Matcha. And the first word ever spoken in the caveman, which stars Ringo Starr, the first word you will hear is Matcha because it is the name what they call dinosaurs in the movie caveman. So just to make sure that the yes. dog's barking is on topic. Yes. Well, the dog I'm, is named Matcha. I'm going to interrupt you there a second. So welcome Matcha to the program. It's lovely to have you on, but I want to tell you that I'm going to ask you a question. Now see how good you are on the movie, okay. the caveman on the movie, the caveman Ringo met an actress. Do you know what her name was and, and what happened to her? Yes, it was it was Barbara Bach, and he married her. You're right. You go go to the top of the class, head of the class for me. Head yeah, um, yeah. And, he's, and he's still married to her, and that was what 1975. A long time ago, put it that way. A long time ago, but yeah, it's funny you should mention that film because I don't think too many people have seen that Ringo film. He's actually quite quite delightful in it. Uh, but the most delightful thing, as you uh, as you said, was meeting Barbara and marrying Barbara, and they're still married to this very day. Yeah, um, actually, my husband absolutely adores that movie. He thinks it's it's just it, you know, and he uses um, he uses the the uh, language from uh, Caveman quite often. Um, you know, when he, uh, I can't, I can't repeat any of the words. I can't remember them right now, but you know, yeah. as I said, you know, if he sees dinosaur, he'll say, Oh, matcha, 
you know. <laughs> yeah, has 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 Matcha seen the movie The Caveman? Have you showed it to your dog? Um, I think we have. I think she's taken no interest, even when they call her name throughout the movie. Um, oh, very, very but, disappointing. Yes, that would be it. Would, it would be something to film, wouldn't it? As she, her ears perked up, and she watched the movie every time they said. My- That's all for this week, Speedo fans. Come back next week for part two of our interview with Ivor Davis. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.